Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Soccer Morning, Backheel.com, on the air. We are back. Yes, thank you very much for your patience. We are here. It's happening. Technical difficulties have been uh, rectified. Actually, it was more about the weather, but hey, whatever. We're here. We're live. Yanish Mahalik is scheduled for this show. He's, I mean, I'm not telling tales out of school if I mention what I was just told that Yanish Mahalik's got a cable guy coming today, <laughs> which we will try to work around. Yes, we will try to work around Yanish Mahalik and his cable guy. I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk to Yanish about the Champions League. I got a couple results here. We got a couple games today. We got games next week, obviously. We'll talk to Yanish maybe about MLS as well. A couple of weeks away. From the start of the Major League Soccer season, it is imminent. You are ready for this. Maybe. Maybe not. I'm not I'm not ready. Teams are still making moves. We will also take your phone calls on today's program as well. So, there you go. Let's start with the news. We'll set the stage for our chat with Mr. Janis Mahalik by mentioning the Champions League results. PSG with a 2-1 win over Chelsea in Paris yesterday. Edinson Cavani comes off the bench to score the winner for the home uh, home side, Chelsea gets a crucial away goal, however, from Jean Obia Mikel. Zlatan Ibrahimovic opened the scoring for the French side on a deflected free kick. I mean, he owned that thing with the celebration, but come on, we know uh, we know why that happened. Um, obviously, for PSG, getting um, getting a lead going back to Stamford Bridge is important, but that away goal could be huge. Chelsea very much okay in this situation. In fact, Goose Hitting calling it 50-50 right now. Benfica takes a slim one nothing lead over Zenit in the other Champions League match from yesterday. Quarterfinals here. Games today. Ghent of Belgium. Is it Ghent? Yeah. Ghent of Belgium hosting Wolfsburg. And Roma hosting Real Madrid. Interesting press conference yesterday with uh, Ronaldo being asked about his away form and then st- storming out of the press conference because... That's what Cristiano Ronaldo likes to do. PSG's Ezekiel Lavetsi, speaking of the French giant, signs with Habai, Fort, uh, China Fortune of the Chinese Super League. Yes, another player signed to the Chinese Super League. I don't have a number on the transfer here. Not sure it would be a, a very large number because Lavetsi's contract with PSG was set to end at the end of the season. He joins Gervinho at Habai, China Fortune. Habai, China. Bye, Bay. Habay, China's fortune, uh, in the Chinese Super League. So, yeah, we need to get this pronunciation down, people, because these teams are going to be out there buying up some of your favorite players. Sporting Gijon hosts Barcelona today as the Catalan Giants make up their one game in hand on the rest of La Liga. Barcelona currently lead Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, excuse me, by three points. They could extend that lead to six points with a win over Sporting Gijon, who they are naturally supposed to beat. Barcelona comes off a 6-1 win over Celta Vigo on the weekend. And, of course, the star of that particular show, in addition to the um, to the hat-trick by Luis Suarez, was the way it happened on the uh, assist on a penalty kick from Lionel Messi to Luis Suarez. Lots of people talking about Trevor Hayward. Was that, um, uh, was that bad sportsmanship on the part of Barcelona, yes or no? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Just briefly. I just I like one man poll here. That's what we do at Soccer Morning. Okay, maybe he's too busy setting things up. We'll get your uh, your take on this maybe later in the show. I'll take your phone calls. I I'm I'm I thought it was fun, but I also thought it was kind of a jerk move. But hey, whatever. Suspended FIFA president Seth Blatter uh has uh, is now at the organization's headquarters was at the organization's headquarters yesterday making his appeal of his eight year ban handed down for his role in a payment to Michelle Platini. 
in uh, 2011. The hearing lasted for seven hours, one hour less than Platini's own hearing on Monday. FIFA would not comment on when the verdict uh, verdicts are expected in these two appeals. Uh, they will host uh, hold their presidential election on February 26th to replace Blatter, who has been on the job since 1999. Now, there are many candidates for this uh, job. Gianni Infantino seems to have a lot of momentum at the moment. Of course, uh, we, we know that uh, there are uh, several other uh, candidates, including Sheikh Salman and Prince Ali. Uh, whether or not this represents actual change in FIFA remains an open question. Uh, doesn't seem to be that we're moving in a in a real reform direction. Interesting uh, point here that I don't have in the news, but I'm going to throw in. CONCACAF. CONCACAF lawyers have told that group that if they don't get their house in order, if they don't institute real reforms, not this nonsense uh, reform on paper but nothing changes type of stuff, if they don't institute real reform, they're, they're in danger of being dissolved as a body. So we'll see if that actually comes to pass. There's a, uh, a reform pla- package uh, up for a vote on February 26th for CONCACAF, and then they're supposed to hold their own um, presidential elections come May in Mexico City. All right. Wayne Rooney will miss Manchester United's round of 32 match with FC Michuland of Denmark on Thursday. Uh, Rooney did not travel with the team to Denmark. After losing to Sunderland on the weekend, head coach Louis Van Hall has admitted that the club's chances of making the Champions League places are bleak. That means that there's now added pressure on Manchester United to get the job done in the Europa League so they can get themselves into the Champions League next season. Uh, there is a path there. Whether or not Manchester United are capable of uh, navigating it remains to be seen. All right. So we've got the Champions League, a couple of games from yesterday that we can go over, certainly setting the stage for today's games, including Roma hosting Real Madrid, the biggest of the two. We will maybe talk about next week's matchups in the Champions League as well. I, I want to talk Arsenal. Does Arsenal have any shot at all about uh, at Barcelona, and how do they manage balancing a chance at the Premier League title, which they haven't won since 2003-04, against a Champions League tie against the biggest, best club in the world at the moment. Interesting stuff there. Giannis Mihalik will join us. You know him from many places. Uh, He's fantastic, and he'll uh, be right there on the other side, provided his cable guy hasn't shown up. We'll figure that out. Soccer Morning, backheel.com. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning. We have on the phone one of my favorite guests, good friend of the show, Yannis Mihalik. You know him from ESPN, a uh, guy who uh, does radio, calls games, is out there on Twitter giving his uh, wisdom on a regular basis. Uh, and he, he jo- usually joins us to talk Champions League. We're going to do that here. We might range a little bit. Hey, Yannis, how are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well, Jason. How's it going? It's going. It's going pretty well. We're we're coming down to um, you know the, the the this is crunch time in the Champions League. This is obviously um, with with these matchups. Uh, some of them are are some of the uh, you know the biggest matchups we've seen in the competition so far. Uh, but we've got we got a couple of games yesterday. Uh, and certainly, let's okay. Let's start with PSG and, and Chelsea. Obviously, the the biggest of the two that we saw yesterday. 
the French side holds serve at home, Giannis, and yet I think Chelsea feels pretty good going back to Stamford Bridge, down a goal with a, an away goal in their pocket. Yeah, given the way the game turned out, I suppose. Uh, uh, look, I still think uh, I still think that PSG are scoring at, at Stamford Bridge, aren't okay. they? Yeah. I mean, they were a superior team. Let's let let's not kid each other uh, each other here. I think with Chelsea, we're surprised because I think they've looked good considering how bad they've been. So perhaps we're giving a credit to a great team that's been so disappointing that we're willing to we're willing to settle for just about anything, right? So I don't want to take anything away from Chelsea because they did look as good as I uh, I remember now for a while. But you know, for what 15, 20 minutes during the game. Other than that, it was PSG and only PSG on the pitch. I think you know early on it was just almost uh, how do I describe? I mean, I, I, it was just so easy. It, it's like boys against men. It really was in the 20 minutes. But you know that's the way the game goes. And credit to Chelsea because they, uh, Jason, they kind of settled down and in fact gained momentum and, and looked all right. They had their chances. Don't get me wrong. You know Diego Costa. Uh, you know that header. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, listen, Courtois. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing his class again for Chelsea, right? Uh, uh, not just in Premier League, but here as well, even though I think that would have been offside, but the referee didn't see it. So bottom line for me is is that PSG will score at Stamford Bridge. And some will say and point it out to me, I think yesterday when I was talking about it, that you know they, the, the PSG has not scored in regulation there in, in two games or 180 minutes, whatever it was. That's fair play, but I, I think they will score. Now, is it possible for Chelsea to then win, uh, you know, 3-1? Sure it is. Mm-hmm. This is still mighty Chelsea, uh, no matter what you say. So, uh, good, I think, for Chelsea. They are responding to hitting in many ways, um, Jason, but uh, I always felt that PSG is one of those gems. It's a hidden one. It's in league. Oh, yeah. nobody pays attention to them, really. Because we not, almost never watch it, you know. You know me, Jason, right? I watch anything. <laughs> yeah, I watch I know. football and beat stalker. You know what I mean? And and I watch PSG, but I have to make an unbelievable effort to watch them well, because, well, you, because you know, it's that, that leads into you know the the issue that a lot of people will present with PSG and and the reason that maybe you know certainly it's hindsight. But one of the things that people say about PSG and why they haven't done better in this competition is because they're not challenged in France. I know the, uh, David Trezeguet has recently said that. It, look look at the lead they have in Ligue 1 right now. They have no, they have no real competitors in their domestic league. So when they go into Europe, they're not really ready to step up to that level. Uh, it's one of those that you agree and disagree. I mean, would PSG be better if, you know, week in and week out they they you know they had twenty five points lead, but every game was one nil. It was great competition or whatever. Or somebody challenged them. Yes. But at the same time, you know, I mean, they're a great team. And great team and competitions, they live for that, right? Those players know and change their attitude when it comes to a game like this. In fact, you know what I mean? So, so there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason to think that better competition wouldn't have made them better. But yeah. look at Manchester City, uh, have a great competition. And, you know, if you talk about Manchester City and PSG, Jason, they, they, they almost entered that wealthy market, that special team at the same time. Yeah. And Manchester City hasn't done all that much better than, than PSG. In fact, they've done worse. And they have great competition. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so it all it's depends. True. I just think it's it's such a tough competition, especially when it comes now to kind of one-offs, if you will. You know what I mean? Uh, knockout stage. That you know, I can see both sides really. Because if, if you're thinking that if it was better, then then you know PSG are winning every other year. 
or then to have a have a look at Manchester City. It takes time, but this is a great team that I that I think is 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 a little bit of a lack away of perhaps winning it because they're as good as any out there, with the exception of maybe Barcelona at their best. Well, I mean, it all, all comes this, down to PSG can win this. It all comes down to draw, of course. I mean, uh, you right, know, right. It, yeah, in this case, you know, they again they have a a lead now going back to Stamford Bridge. You're you're tipping them to score. Uh, away from home in in this uh, in this tie, they are they are significant. I mean, I know I know Goose Hitting is saying fifty fifty, but but PSG are, are favorites here clearly. Even even with Chelsea having an away goal, but but you know timely uh, timely away goal for them, and and as you said, limiting the damage, I guess is probably all all, all Chelsea really wanted to do. So it's kind of hard to know whether or not we're going to see a different Chelsea oh, in the return yeah. leg. Yeah, you can't not Chelsea. I mean, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're dissecting this because that's our job, right? But normally, you know, if you're a logical person and, and you're not biased, you say, you say to Chelsea, okay, yeah, 2-1. We haven't been great, uh, right? We, you know, we're missing some players. Matic wasn't there. He would have been an option and a good option there because that midfield, you know, that midfield, when you looked at it, right, with Mikel and Fabregas against, you know, uh, the likes of Matuidi and Verratti, it was, it was outplayed and it was always going to be outplayed. So I think Matic could have played... A big role. You, you're losing a leader like like John Terry. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Going in that alone, I thought it was going to be a massive problem because you look at uh, you know Cahill who hasn't played and Ivanovic who can play there. That's his position, and and he did great. But you know, I mean, they haven't played together. I, I can't imagine this season. I don't remember. Maybe once or twice, but. Uh, so, so I think you know they were at a disadvantage. They scored an away goal, and and yes, I mean fifty-fifty. I think it, it, that's exactly what I would say for the most part. If I, if I'm honest, that, that's a great result for Chelsea uh, coming home. What is wrong with Eden Hazard? Uh, Eden, you know, to be honest, there were times yesterday that he looked like he he was he wanted to play for PSG right i mean we've said you know we've seen these reports that yeah. you know if PSG came in right it was one of those be hard to say not to uh, um um so so i thought his effort was was much much better you know his substitution is not necessarily because he's played badly i think it was just you know more of a tactical one uh, you know it just made sense in a way but but i think you know i i've seen a little bit more of him uh, it's look confidence is a funny thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, with Eden Hazard. I think if anything, the expectations were so high because of the season he had last year. And to be honest with you, I didn't see Eden Hazard having that sort of season last year. Yeah. So I think these things even themselves out. He's a very very good player, but is he top top player? Mm. Uh, that remains to be seen. Mm. All right. So we've got uh, PSG up two to one um, in the first leg uh, at home. In the other game yesterday, Benfica. With the late goal uh, in, in uh, added time to to take a lead on Zenit St. Petersburg, um, it, your thoughts here? I mean, obviously this is this was the lesser of the two, at least in terms of the attention given to it. But of course, we know Portuguese teams can sometimes surprise, and, and really, no one should look past the Russian sides except for the fact that a lot's being made of the break that they have to take. Yeah, you know, this is funny, funny part because we're going to be talking about Hent, you know, as well pretty soon, and even Wolfsburg to some degree. Is that the trouble is that we're often surprised when things happen and, and, you know, it's hard to handicap that in a way because people don't pay attention to that. It's so Premier League-centric, uh, you know, La Liga with a couple clubs, you know what I mean? Yeah. When it comes to Champions League, yeah. that, that's what it is. We only talk about big clubs. But have a look. Have a look at that Zenit lineup, for example. 
Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I mean, I could pick three, four, five players. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say on any team, but I sure. mean, you know, the, the Garais, and I know they, they've, you know what I mean, they, they've been in big clubs and maybe didn't put out, but, the, you know, Axel Witzel, I mean, you can't. Oh, people I'm, know these, people know these players, and, definitely, Giannis. People know these guys. Witzel, as you said, Kokorin, Zerk, uh, Jerkov, uh, Hulk. Danny, obviously. I mean, what a wonderful yeah. technical player Danny is. You know what I mean? You know, Hulk, uh, I mean, Juba, of course, everybody's starting to, to pay attention to Juba. I mean, and Yukov, I mean, play for Russia, a, a very one of the steadiest right backs that that, that you know. Lodigin, you know, has uh, has some howlers, but yesterday, you know, he started a save, and I, I think it was Nico Gaetan that was just just about unbelievable, really. You know what I mean? So, so those are good players, no doubt about that. And you look at Benfica, I mean, again, uh, and Nico Gaetan, what a delivery on the mm-hmm. goal. Nico Gaetan, Manchester United has talked about buying him for the last four or five years. I still don't know why they never did it. You know, Jonas, of course, we've seen him in La, in La Liga. He was absolutely unbelievable. What was he in Valencia? Uh, you know, even Mitroglu, you know what I mean? Uh, known for Premier League, a little bit of a surprise because he shed some weight and finally started to play and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so there are a lot of good players that we just don't pay attention. Julio says, are, you know, and go for Benfica. Uh, look, and by the way, Renato Sanchez, pay attention to this 18-year-old. What a player. And I don't want to get too excited because uh, remember William Carvalho uh, from Sporting, everybody, Arsenal is going to buy him. And he's still a good player, big holding midfielder. But watch Renato Sanchez. What a player. I just watched Benfica with, uh, you know, against Porto the, over the weekend. Uh, that was a big loss for them. So, so saying that in a roundabout way, I hope I got where you wanted me to get, is that it's a big win because it's such a late win, Crescito criminal really foul uh, yeah. because the goal came from that, and now you know he was sent off in that game as well. Uh, for Zenit, look, this they they look good. They played well. Let's not forget that Russian league hasn't started, so they right. you know this is the first significant game for them, and they'll be more than happy. They'll be very disappointed to lose it that late, but they'll be extremely happy. And I I I, I would look for Zenit to go through here. That's interesting. All right, so uh, Zenit St. Petersburg again down one nothing against Benfica. On that late goal by Jonas, but uh, but yeah, as you said, they're probably going to feel pretty good uh, about going home um, uh, just down that goal. All right, so let's look at, at today's game again. There's a there's a a marquee game, and then a game that's going to fly under the radar a bit. Mm-hmm. I'll start with the let's start with the let's flip this around. Let's start with Ghent and Wolfsburg. Um, you know, the Belgian side, not necessarily the most favored side. Uh, you know, sides in this competition, but you know, always relatively capable and Wolfsburg certainly one of the second tier of the German teams generally speaking and yet um here they stand with with a chance to you know to advance yeah i mean look you know Wolfsburg in this one you know has to be considered favorites although they've struggled haven't they you know, and it's really, there's no huge explanation why, you know, Kruse maybe not the sort of player that they thought at the moment, although I think he's been very good. Vierinha has been absolutely unbelievable. Remember last year, Vierinha and Caligiuri, uh, uh, you know, on the wings, they were absolutely outstanding. So, uh, you know, Ricardo Rodriguez at left back, I, I felt last year that any team, uh, you know, out there would have been happy with him, what he does. Uh, defensively, in terms of going forward, set pieces, takes all the corners, all the free kicks, all the penalties, and usually puts them away. You know, so 
but they struggle. Uh, uh, in terms of Ghent, look, uh, this is one team, you know, uh, you know me, I, I don't like to be stumped, but, you know, we just don't know. I, I still, you know, haven't seen them in the group stages, don't know enough. And, yeah. and perhaps that's why they'll be more than happy with that. You know what I mean? Because there's always that little bit of an element that, that, that you're going to take that team for granted. You know, you, people, you know, players and coaches say no, but, you know, uh, the bottom line in this one, both sides were, were extremely happy probably, you know, uh, 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 being dro- drawn against each other because both sides will have a chance here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's one. It, yeah, it, it's not quite a toss-up. You're going to give Wolfsburg the advantage, but because, as you said, we don't know about much about Ghent. By the way, Ghent is in. Uh, they're they're tied uh, on 55 points at the top of the table in Belgium mm-hmm. at the moment with Club Bruges. So you know, uh, as you said, maybe an unknown. Maybe Wolfsburg looks past them, or or maybe um, you know, maybe this is a very nice uh, draw for for Wolfsburg, and and they can make it into. Uh, the quarterfinals and look, then look look for for Wolfsburg. Let's not forget Naldo is suspended, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Giovagi in the midfield, who's a very good player, he's injured. Diego Benaglio, the goalkeeper, outstanding, he he is injured. And Baz Dos, remember, we kind of we sort of made fun of him last year because he was scoring left and right, but he's also looked by the looks of it unavailable. So I mean, uh, not only are Wolfsburg struggling, but maybe there's a reason why because some key players are out, and and you know you look at that. And, and, you know, look, the bottom line here for, for me is Hens has got to, has got to win this game 2-0. You know, they, well, they, they got to have a clear advantage going to Wolfsburg, I think, because in the end, in that atmosphere, I sure. think if Wolfsburg yeah. scores away here, Wolfsburg. Uh, yeah, goes, yeah. If, goes, if, goes. if you don't go back to Germany, uh, and, right. and into that cauldron with a significant lead that you can right. sit on, it's going to be right. very difficult for the Belgian right. side. All right. Uh, Rome up and Real Madrid. Now, the, the lead up to this game, um, about Real Madrid's struggles in Italy and, uh, you know, the question yesterday at the press conference to Ronaldo about his away form, in which he decided was his cue to leave. Um, it, you know, Zidane having to play defense in the in the press conference ahead of time. Yanish, it doesn't seem like it's a good feeling around Real Madrid right now as they uh, as they visit the Italian capital. Yeah, they, they haven't been sensational. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, at, at their heights, I mean, they're wonderful, but they, there haven't been that many as of late. So I think they'll worry about, you know, with the fact that you know Carvajal may have to play left back for Mar- you know, for Marcelo. You know, I think Bale got injured at a moment where he was uh, uh, probably at his best, right? I mean, we were kind of asking questions. He's been up and down anyway, but but at that moment he was flying. He was much better than than, than Ronaldo in many ways. So uh, you're going against. Roma team that, you know, I mean, has a his, bad history of losing big, right? And that's an issue. Spalletti, though, what, four games undefeated or one four straight coming in? Uh, he, I think, I think in 2008, he's beaten Real Madrid, right? Uh, uh, Spalletti with Roma. So, um, you've mentioned the history of that. I, I don't believe in those stats, those historical stats. No. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it, there's some stats that are important. There's stats that, you know, if you haven't beaten team in 30 years, I mean, uh, you know, one of those nonsenses <laughs> for me. Sure. Uh, uh, so, so different I'm not teams, big, big guys, into so. this, but, you know, Real Madrid, uh, I think, you know, in this one, for me, they have an excuse because of some of the uh, some of the players that are missing. They have an excuse to be cautious, I think, because you know we look at Real Madrid and you kind of it's like Barcelona, right? If they don't go to Rome and don't dominate the, the team, we look for faults. I don't think they need to do that. I think they need to go to Rome. They can relax. 
you know what I mean? I don't think there's a lot of pressure for them. Uh, I think they need to get something out of this game, even if they can't win it. And and at home, uh, you know, Roma will will, will just fold, I think. If you look at Spalletti or not, I think he's going to make them better. Let's not forget, by the way, that Spalletti has always been known for the attacking-minded approach. And although I think he's perhaps grown over the years, uh, I think you don't lose those stripes. You know what I mean? I think at some stage he's going to he's going to want to uh, 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 open up just a little bit, and I think that's going to be the downfall of Roma eventually in the second leg. So uh, again, look at some of the results of you know uh, recently how many goals in the group stage they've been conceding. How Roma did get to this? Let's not forget, right? I mean, it was just an awful performance. So you you really hang in your hopes on the fact that Spalletti has fixed all of that. He seems to fix it for Serie A. Has he done it for a club like Real Madrid? Uh, That's a big ask in such a short uh, period of time. Sure. Uh, You know, again, this being Real Madrid, there is always something swirling around this club, some some controversy, some question, some um, upset player or or locker room problem. Uh, You know, it's been... It's been the Ronaldo Gareth Bale dynamic and the money and and uh, and obviously these these leaks coming out these days, Yanish um, uh, footballleaks dot com or whatever trying to be the mm-hmm. WikiLeaks of football. Mm-hmm. The most recent um, development on that front is James Rodriguez had his, his contract leak. Now he scored a, a great goal on the weekend, uh, but he's been up and down. There's been allegations that he's been overweight. I mean, wh- what do you make of this? For a very talented player, I mean, they spent 80 million euros on him. He better deliver, and yet it seems as though everything is about undermining him. Undermining him or Real Madrid? Look, I mean, that goes with territory, Jason, doesn't it? I sure, mean, it you does. Know, you, you go such a big club. I, I did enjoy Ronaldo in the sense that he's brought this onto himself and onto the club. I can understand the frustration, but, I mean, could he, could he develop a little bit of sense of humor about these things? You know what I mean? He knows that this is going to be asked, and yes, you know, people pointed out that there's only been like four games since November, away games that he hasn't scored, uh, really, so it's not that big a deal. And, and you know, his pride or his ego, I mean, I'm not so sure why he needs to do that, but, you know, he why give press a reason to talk about that? I mean, he's still Ronaldo, he's still a great player, and, and, and I thought it would have been perfect if he if he stumped the, the, you know, the press in that press conference and just made, you know, made, made, made light of the situation. Here and Hamas Rodriguez, I, I think, you know, uh, uh, he took his eye off the ball. I think that that's yeah. the real reason because players like Hamas expect to play, but this is Real Madrid, and there they can be no expectations of, of picking yourself in the starting eleven. So this is his opportunity, and this is the sort of games that make or break someone like Hamas Rodriguez. Because let's let's be honest, uh, you know, one thing for sure, Hamas Rodriguez is in no way a Galactico. I don't care what he's done in the last World Cup. I think mm. he's wonderful. I think he's got to understand how lucky he is to be playing for a club like this. Because the bottom line for me is is this. When Bale, Benzema, and Ronaldo are healthy, there's no place for Hamas Rodriguez. That's, wow, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting. I mean, uh, based, on, based on his performances uh, on the club level before joining Real Madrid, you wouldn't put him in that category or just as a matter of talent? No, no, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put him in the category of, of a Galactico yet. He hasn't earned it. You know what I mean? You know, in that front three, you know, he can maybe in that midfield over Ishko, but you can't tell me that there's such a big difference between Rodriguez and Ishko. See, for me, Rodriguez and Ishko is, you know, they're wonderful players, but they're that kind of, 
you know, secondary class, if you will. You know what I mean? James sure. yeah. Rodriguez wants to be like Barcelona front three and like Real Madrid's front three. But I don't think he is. I really don't think he is just yet. And, you know, even if it's psychologically he's shown that, he, you know, he, he's a player that came in and moaned just a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes, he's gained weight. You know, he's playing now. He's delivering. But, but again, he has to understand, you know, that there's an unbelievable competition there. I mean, you know, we, we think, you know, Hesse and, and Isco and, and, you know, you're talking about players that could claim that as well, right? Yeah. Look at Chicharito when he went over there, right? I mean, he, you know, it, 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 would I be out of line to say that Hamas Rodriguez is like Chicharito? There's, you know, there's not a huge difference between those two. Okay. And we know, we know that, 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 that Chicharito, uh, for, for better or worse, had to find his level. And I'm not saying that by Leverkusen is level, but, you know, at Manchester United, he's done his job off the bench. He yeah. wanted more. Yeah. He didn't get more. And Hamas Rodriguez, for me, is that sort of player. Okay. Right now, if I'm him, I don't say boo. I work as hard as he possibly can to show that he can, you know, dislodge one of those players at Real Madrid. Because, you know, never mind what's here right now, right? Thomas Rudy has got to understand that within six months or a year, there's going to be more Galacticos coming in. There's going to be the best of the best wanting to come in. You know, there may be Lewandowski coming in, although not direct competition for him, but you have to find a place for him. So, so uh, you know, I think he needs time before we, we go, you know, well, it, uh, it, gaga it, over him. It's obviously a fascinating dynamic because uh, you mentioned the World Cup. I mean, clearly his stock was you know rocketing up because of his world cup performance and 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 the money that real madrid paid for him puts him in that upper echelon of one percent of the world's players which means expectations which means an, a presumption of quality that that you're suggesting that maybe he can't meet so this is an overvaluing of a player which which really isn't necessarily Hamas Rodriguez's fault. And, and that's, no, no. That's, the, that's sort of the problem for him. But that's what Real Madrid do, right? I mean, they'll find anybody, you know. I mean, to cut their losses, I mean, they'll do it. Look, I mean, Real Madrid prints money, right? I mean, no bank in, 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 in Spain or in Madrid are going to turn them down, right? They are the richest club in the world. Yeah. For, them to, for them to dismiss a player because it didn't pan out. And by the way, I'm not saying that he won't. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. But I think we need to understand the dynamic of what... What constitutes for Real Madrid a legend? What constitutes a player that the 80,000 there will, will fight for in order to be on the pitch at all times, right? I mean, look at, you know, so, so I, I'm not sure that, that the Real Madrid faithful are going to go way out of their yeah, way yeah. to hammer Zidane or, or, or Perez if, if, if Hamas Rodriguez is not starting. And that's what you need to do, sure. right? If yeah. you have the crowd behind, if they think of you as a galactical, regardless if you're playing incredibly or if you're an incredible player, you know, this is where you have to win, you know. Uh, uh, you have to win the love of public opinion at the Bernabeu. And, and in my opinion, Hamas is not at that level just yet, you know what I mean? When he gets to that, that's when you will get the benefit of the doubt. Right now... He doesn't get benefit of the doubt. He's young. He's still developing. He's got tons of talent, and he has to show that consistently if he's in the starting eleven or off the bench. So this is a big, big, big game. Which, by the way, he may answer the call, but it's a big game because he's going to get that opportunity on the biggest of stages. Uh, again, I'm fascinated by by Real Madrid. Um, they're 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 still favorites uh, in this tie against Roma uh, by a significant mm-hmm. margin, uh, I think, and. At the same time, they're watching the league slip away. Barcelona is completely unstoppable at this point, Yanish. Um, you know, to get number 11 would be great for them, but I, I guess 
you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm questioning focus. I'm questioning Zidane's ability to navigate with the, this being his first job at this level and certainly taking on the biggest club in the world. I, I just, I don't know how to ask a question out of this, but what kind of season is this for Real Madrid? Again, considering that while they're not that far back, you can only imagine that the league is completely gone with Barcelona the way they're, the way that they're playing. Well, yeah, but winning winning Champions League change, changes that, right? Sure, yeah, because, right. Because the press and everybody's going to say, "Hey, we are the best club in Europe." You know what I mean? Even though you know, you know, it's easy to say, "Well, you're not even the best in the league." You know what I mean? But that trumps it all. It's as simple as that. You know, the league is gone. There's not, you know, nothing you done uh, could have done. You know, the, the you know, <laughs> and again, not not for drama here for me, but really, I mean, the league was gone the moment they lost at home to to Barcelona four mm-hmm. 0 That that's sometimes as simple as that, right? You know, Barcelona holds uh, advantage over Atletico Madrid. They've beaten them twice. They've beaten, you know, uh, you know. There's no way Real Madrid goes to Barcelona and you know wins bigger than four nothing, and that's what they will have to do, you know, because it's going to be tight. So, so that's done. And ultimately, it's always between Real Madrid and Barcelona who gets one over over whom. But but you know, these days, uh, I, I think if Barcelona wins La Liga. Uh, but but Real Madrid wins Champions League. Real Madrid will be more than happy with that. You know what I mean? They 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 think and probably in a, in a way rightfully so that you know they you know it's a, it's it's a great season for them. You know and we can argue you know whatever how many games in the league you know and it's it's often harder to do that than win Champions League because of lack of the draw this that or the other. But Champions League is Champions League. Real Madrid. You know, has won more than anybody else, and if they were to do it here, uh, you know, they wouldn't be crying over that, right? So, so I, I think they would look at that as as, as a great season. Sure. All right. So, uh, Giannis, there's a chance that we might be able to talk to you next week, but but I'm guessing there's also a chance we won't be able to grab you next week. And, and there are some, you know, obviously some fascinating matchups coming up um, there as well. And and I don't have time to to dive into them as deep as we have. With this week's games, but but I do want to talk about Arsenal and Barcelona only because where Arsenal sits, I mean, the league is there for the taking um, in a certain regard. I, I know Leicester has a relatively soft schedule, but it's Leicester, and, and you have to imagine that Arsenal can can smell that title. But they also have, you know, a, 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 you know, they're in the Champions League. You don't give up on the Champions League. How does how does Arsene Wenger manage? Because they also have the FA Cup. They've got whole city coming up this weekend. How do they manage all of these things, and and how do you imagine that Wenger should prioritize? No, no prioritizing here. Uh, you know, uh, you can't prioritize over over Barcelona, or you're going to get hammered. Right. Hammered. You know, you may anyway, but you know, psychological impact of of a, right, of a exactly. bad bad yeah. loss to to Barcelona in both legs. Uh, uh, may carry over to the league, so you can't. I mean, he's getting some players that are a little bit healthier. You're in the business end of the season, and you know, and you every team would be more than happy to be in the situation that Arsenal are in. Right now, you don't care. You play the strongest lineup possible in every game. That that's the bottom line. You play your best starting eleven for the rest of the season. Uh, uh, you know, that's a simple. Yeah, of course. You know, the, you know, the FA Cup may be won, but. But even that, so so look, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> Arsenal loses to Bar- this Barcelona, you know, eight, eight, nine out of ten times, yes, you right. know, yeah. and, and, you know, in a one-off, you give them a chance, in two legs, 
you just don't. But doesn't that doesn't mean that that you don't try because it's you know it's always possible. But as you said, I mean this Barcelona um, at their best is 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 you know <laughs> Arsenal aren't good enough to beat this Barcelona. Yeah. All right, la- last last thing here uh, before I rush you out, to be honest, I know your cable guy is going to show up any second and <laughs> win this. <laughs> Uh, Ju- Juve Bayern. That's the, there's some other game again. PSV uh, Eindhoven against Atleti, uh, Dynamo Kiev against Man City. Those are both next week. But the 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 big one is uh, outside of Arsenal, Barcelona is Juve and, and Bayern. Um, does does Juve have a shot? And then from the Bayern perspective, obviously Pep is a lame duck manager, having already announced he's going to Man City. Is 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 it is it even? I mean, is he the greatest manager of all time if he manages to win a Champions League with a club that knows he's leaving? And, a, and, a, and I imagine a, pl- a group of players who can't be entirely happy about the situation. Yeah, I mean, that would be something, right? That's what he was brought in for. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but, but look, I mean, you're uh, fully capable. I mean, the way they're do- going right now and the way Bayern are going, I mean, you have to say that you are our favorites. I, I mean, I don't see how... How you don't say that, you know, with the injuries that they've had in the, in the back, Bayern are Bayern, they have plenty going forward. But in terms of balance and, and the run, 15 games in Serie A, and you look at what Allegri can do with this team, how they can play in different formation within the game, the depth they have, uh, I really, at this moment, would struggle to make Bayern favorites. I think you make them because they're Bayern, you know what I mean? Um, but then again, I mean, you are you, but these are two giants right. of, yeah. of the game. And yeah. two years ago, we wouldn't have been saying the same thing, but you are back to where they belong, perhaps, and where they always have been, right, as one of the giants of football. And they're proven it on the pitch. They have all the momentum. They're much, much, uh, uh, well, they have some problems, but they're healthier than, than, than Bayern Munich. So, you know, uh, they, they have more than a chance, that's for sure. Giannis Mihalik, uh find him on ESPN and other places, joining us on Soccer Warning, Talking Champions League. I think that's enough of uh, of your time that we'll take up, Giannis. Again, you got your, your cable guy show. We know how that is. I mean, you sit on pins and needles, you never know when the guy's going to show up. Hey, hey, you know, I mean, he just knew that, you know, th- th- this is a tradition. <laughs> you and I on Champions League, you know, Maybe. I'm there next week if you want me to. And there you go. Just waited, but, you know, I'm getting that, that nice uh, new TV so I can watch games where the, I'm not the, at ESPN. There you go. You got you, 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 no, prior- the- you know, priorities, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was almost tempted to cancel, as you know. I was like, listen, if he shows up, I don't know. But, but it, it's, you know, it's it's worked out great. Hey, so hey the, the best part about all of this is, if I'm not mistaken, you can uh, you can claim this on your taxes, right? Because this I is part I do. I mean, you know, funny that you catch that because it, it did play a big role in in, <laughs> in terms of which TV I was choosing. You know what I mean? I was looking. Eh, I can do that. I suppose. You, you know, I mean, I do have them, but my 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 home office is getting uh, redone because of a bit of a flood I had last year. Oh no! So now okay. that gave me an opportunity to there do you this. Go. Well, uh, silver linings, Giannis like joining us on Soccer Party. Thank you so much, Giannis. Hopefully we'll be, we will have a chance to take, uh, talk next week about the, uh, the Champions League matches coming up then. Sounds great, Jason. All right, there goes uh, Giannis. Let's take a break. We'll open up the phone lines. We'll talk to you about this and every other thing out there in the soccer world. It's Soccer Morning, and it's on Backhill.com.
Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. It is, what's today, Wednesday? I'm losing track of my days. Programming notes. And I yes, I realized that we were not on the air yesterday due to uh, technical issues, and I apologize for that. It's going to be a three-show week because we're not on the air Friday, Friday either. I am out of town on Friday. Quick little jaunt uh, out of town, and I will uh, be back on Monday. So uh, just there you go. If you're, if you're looking for the show on Friday, my apologies in advance. It's not going to be there. But we will be here tomorrow. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Talk Champions League. Talk uh, MLS player movement. Preparations for the season. We can talk. Uh, what else do I got? I don't know. Aaron's got Champions League. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Going well. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a great uh, uh, shakeout in the next really two, three weeks in, in, in Champions. I mean, I think uh, you know you're going to see. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see how Arsenal has any chance unless they just literally sit back and hope for, you know, a respectable nil-nil, which I think would be a win. Um, you know, and, 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 and I think Wenger is really kind of on the line here finally. I mean, it's just, you know, after so many years, it's just a non-production. I mean, he's, like I said, he's the Marvin Lewis of, uh, of, of the Premier League. Well, yeah, but Marvin you know, Lewis doesn't have, Marvin Lewis doesn't have a Super Bowl. Marvin Lewis didn't put together one of the, uh, one of the most unstoppable teams the Premier League has ever seen. I mean, it, you know, let's be, let's be somewhat fair to Arsene Wenger. Fair, but I mean, at at what point isn't that kind of the front end yeah. of your career? Uh, you know, you know what? You know what? Decade he, plus later, Arson Wenger is Mike Shanahan. That's fair. That's actually that's probably even better. Okay. Um, yeah. And 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 you know, and and I think the scale of being exposed next week. You know, I mean, the role that Barcelona's on right now is just it's it's breathtaking, actually, and, and I, I just don't see, unless these guys can get thrown in jail for tax evasion, which, you know, is a decent shot here, it sounds like, it between Neymar and Messi, and, and uh, it's shocking to me the club lets these guys just kind of, you know, money launder their money all over the world, you know, <laughs> put the whole thing at risk, well, what, basically. What, does, what, does the, <laughs> the, uh, what can the club do? Um, what can I, the club do, though? I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, of the, te- the the legal details of everything that's coming down on on Messi and Neymar's head, but you know, I I know that you know shell companies overseas sale of of image rights through parties that avoid Spanish taxes. I understand some of that, but but what can the club do, really? I mean, at the end of the day, the the club can put provisions in, you know, that basically say you have to fulfill X, Y, and Z legal obligations, or else you know we can do whatever we want with your contract. You know, they they can. They they can put something punitive in there, which I'm sure eventually is going to happen. I mean, it's it's like the way that you know, kind of morality clauses are in NFL and NBA contracts and things like that. But yeah. okay. you know, I mean, this is just you know, at the end of the day, you finally get caught uh, with something. But I mean, the fact that the Brazilian government you know just took uh, Neymar's jet, which I'm kind of surprised, yeah. like. That he, has, that he has an extra jet in Brazil <laughs> hanging out, you know. Wait, but, wait uh, are you surprised by that? I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed if Neymar didn't have a a jet in Barcelona and a jet in 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 Rio and a and a yacht in, yeah. uh, you know, in yeah. three different places. Come on. 
And 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 then he'll be part of an article when he's fifty that he's completely broke. You know, it's uh, it's kind of sad. But the uh, actually one other thing I wanted to to, to throw out to uh, to everyone is I don't know if they've uh, uh, you know the, the U.S. women uh, uh, team is you know kind of going through its new generation, but uh, uh, you know uh, Crystal Dunn kind of got hosed a little, um, you know, in the in in in, in the World Cup. Uh, you know, it's, it looks to be a really explosive player. I mean, for the, you know, for the U S part of this new generation and, uh, you know, and being African-American, which, you know, has been a big sore spot in reality for, for our U S team. Uh, there are, there time. are some, you know, I haven't, I haven't dug into it partly because I don't want to speak unfairly about some of the, 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 the figures involved, and, and, and really I need insight from people who cover that team uh, on a regular basis. I mean, obviously we have several good sources, but it's not – there is certainly a, a feeling in some circles that the U.S. women's national team is, um, is, is intentionally a little white, uh, or a lot white. Um, and there's also been – in you know, you mentioned Crystal Dunn – there's also been allegations from um, from Mexican American players that maybe they've been pushed to go play for Mexico because essentially the United States Women's National Team said there's no place for you here. Absolutely, no, and that's not and, I, and that's not something that is small. I mean, my uh, you know my daughters play all the way up through you know U twenties now, and and uh, you know I mean. It's the whitest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, I mean, it's just. Well, we're also, it, and I don't we're also mean that talking in an about, evil way. I just mean yeah. that in like this can't be the only well, girls slash again. Women again, that we're, we're coming to soccer in America. Aaron, Aaron, we're coming to an issue of access, and that's a, that that comes. You know, access and 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 outreach and um in. You know the 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 wall that gets put up between the suburban pay to play soccer model. And and everybody else, and even if I mean, look, if, if the sport is culturally important to you, if you come from a the Latino background, Central American, Mexican, you're going to play regardless. You're just not going to play in places where scouts can see you and college coaches can see you, and that's a problem. If you are, you know, it, it's it's there's there's a lot of people in this country who either could afford to put their kids in soccer or have access to certain levels of soccer who choose not to because there's not a single kid in that in those teams that look like their kid and and that's a problem exactly. we shouldn't be we shouldn't be uh trying to keep whatever we, we should obviously the, all doors should be open that goes without saying it's just a matter of how do we get there in fact i think it was last year trevor may be able to remind me i i had wanted to do a capsule on this show and, and we failed to do it and it's my fault for the most part but there was I came across a, a YouTube video or a Vimeo piece. It was a, kind of a short, um, it was almost like a, a, a news report sort of format. Uh, maybe it was even a, a class project for somebody down in Florida. And it was about down in Florida. It's really good. It's very good. It was about it the, how they're, the, the yeah. yeah, it was a, yeah. it was about race and soccer. And, and, and I want to explore those things. But again, and it's not, it, it's not an excuse, but being, you know, being a middle class white guy, it's hard for me to speak on that on that you know on that topic with any real authority. So it, it requires bringing in people who know that's know those issues better than I do. And and you know and, and I mean I've coached and refed in the Jersey area and you know and uh, and Jersey's kind of one of the you know five or six powerhouse states in in women's and, and girls soccer. But 
you know, you go down to any of the big showcase tournaments in the region. And I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, some of it is cultural and access. I mean, some of it's cultural, some of it's access. Yeah. But a lot of it, I think, is fundamentally outreach. And 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 I, I'll tell you, especially like you said earlier, what's going on with some of the Mexican players. I mean, you look at the Mexican national team; they all play U.S. university colleges. They all play many of them on the same teams of the U.S. counterparts. Most of them are born here. Almost all of them, actually, two two thirds of them. Um, you know, so it, it's just. There's just something so fundamentally weird there. I mean, I'll be honest. It feels very 1940s baseball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And no one wants to talk about it that way, but it really does. And, you know, and I have nothing against, you know, all the great work that, that those players have done and, and, uh, and they're, they're monsters and they're, they're, they're just absolutely dominant. But I just, I just don't think it's a, it's, it's the direction that, you know, anything that's American should be going in, you know, fundamentally. And, and, uh, uh, but you know, this, I'll tell you, but, 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 but Crystal Dunn is not going to let that happen. Sure. I mean, she's a monster and, and, you know, and, and you could just see it out there. I mean, she has that, you know, Ebra thing where you just sit there and like, wow, okay. <laughs> you could just yeah. physically go through people at will you know, and, and, and so it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, uh, she's young and, and, and strong. And, uh, you know, when she gains a voice, what, what that voice is going to be, yeah. you know, and cause I, I do think there's that moment where there's a breakthrough in American, you know, uh, soccer that way, you know, and, and I think Klinsman's trying to do that on the men's side. Um, it's not as I think charged on the men's side, cause we just had, had so many more, men from diverse backgrounds, but I think on the women's side, it's way more charged. Yeah. You know, um, so, you, you know um, I, I don't Well, charge in, in what way do you mean charged necessarily? Aaron? Because I, I see what you said. The men's that, that that's sort of the odd thing though, right? The men's, the men's team has always been a better cross section of American society. Now, maybe that's because maybe that's because, the relative quality of our players on the men's side is so far behind everybody else. There, there literally cannot be any choosiness. There literally cannot be, you cannot, you cannot justify passing anybody up. Uh, whereas the women's side, certainly the U.S. women have been the, the best team in the world for, for third, you know, for a number of years and, and, and even now remain, uh, retain that position and, and the, the talent pool is pretty deep. Bo, by the way, Bo Duro's on Twitter, covers women's soccer, covers NWSL, has pointing out that not that long ago, Crystal Dunn was the defender, so it was easier to to justify her omission from the from the World Cup team, uh, because going out and scoring a bunch of goals wasn't a thing people expected her to sort do. Sort of, but I mean, if you watched her play in the NWSL last year, you know, or or, or saw her stats, or yes, you right. know, against basically the best women out there, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things that you just it was to scratch your head, um, you know, and and. And, and, and then, and then there's an optics reality, right? I mean, you're carrying a nice roster here and I understand you're carrying legacy players and that's great too, but you know, it's, it, it's one of those, you know, impacts that, that matters, you know, it's, it's, uh, that, you know, uh, because you, you know, she's going to be there anyways in the next four years. So that's when, that's why you carry a player you know, at, the, at the, at the low level of your, you know, roster and, and it's not really about her. It's it's just more about the whole, 
process. And, and I, I think it'd be great if you ever, if, if you did a show on that, because yeah. I think there's just so much, yeah. uh, when I say charged, it's charged because of the suburbs that, 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 you know, we live in and the environment that that is and some of the breeding ground that that produces behaviorally. Yeah. And, well, and, and, you know, and, you know, yeah, you, you mentioned baseball, and, and, Aaron, just real quick, you mentioned baseball. And, and while there are certainly parallels, we're talking about professional and you said 1940s. The, the thing that's that's fascinating to me about baseball, and this is sort of the opposite of soccer, is that baseball had uh, had diversity, maybe not in again in the professional game. There was certainly a lot of uh, a, a, you know there was there's a, um, um, a, a there were problems there in the way the professional game was run, and and it didn't allow access to the highest levels. But there were obviously a lot of African American players uh, of of amazing quality in the United States. Going up until you know the 1980s and then into the 90s, that 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 community completely gave up on baseball. And soccer has a chance to to go in reverse here and actually build up and say this is a, a sport for everybody. We're not doing this. We're not making the same mistakes that all these other sports made and then had to rectify. And and you know you watch how hard baseball is trying to to reclaim some of the attention. Of, uh, of black Americans who again have turned up, turned their back on that sport because it became clear that access and, and opportunity weren't there for them. I, I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on this. We could do this all day. It's not, it's not everybody's favorite topic, obviously. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree with you. The, uh, uh, but you know, it's, it's great to just have a forum that, you know, can even bring up some of these, you know, topics like this. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say one last thing, uh, about, uh, you know, the, you know, the Prem this weekend, uh, you know, you had such a huge shakeout where these teams, you know, I, I thought, you know, Leicester would, would probably deliver, but they didn't. I mean, in giving up the two goals, I didn't think, well, I, I was kind of shocked about that. And, and just also Man City kind of, you know, somewhat falling apart again. You know, it's, uh, it, this is going to be just such a chug to the finish line. Yeah, right. Um, which is, which is, you know, I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be exciting as hell. Don't, don't but at you, some level, it starts to feel like the NFC East. Well, I was going to say, like, I was going to say, Aaron, don't you feel as though the English are having a very hard time processing this particular season, whereas the Americans who watch that league are like, yes, this is exactly what we want to see, and and we're we're maybe not even what we want to see, but we're. We're more accustomed to it, so we're able to pull the uh, entertainment out of it a little bit more. I I feel as though some, uh, of, absolutely. some of the English it, observers you know, it, are the English observers are saying to themselves, nobody wants to win it, and all these teams are mediocre. And uh, meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, this is this is fantastic. Exactly, especially when you look at kind of the big separation, you know, with Bayern and, and PSG and and maybe not Barca, but the top three teams in Spain. You know, when, when you look at the other leagues. You know, and, and you just see kind of, except for Italy, you just don't see a lot of competition. Um, you know, it's it's kind of exciting about how hungry these teams are and then how much they're willing to fight. Um, it, but it also has an NFC East quality to it, right? I yeah. mean, do we think any of these four teams next year are going to, you know, punch into the semifinals of the champions? I mean, yeah. it's just... Yeah. You know, they're, if anything, they're falling behind. I mean, that, that's the, uh, and, and, and I am fascinated by that. You know, by that uh, sort of the duality of the Premier League right now, and the development of the Premier League, and as the the new television contract kicks in, and continues to fundamentally change 
the ability of these teams, the middle the middle class teams of, of, of England to compete at the highest level of the transfer market, it's going to make the Premier League more interesting and more entertaining. I don't think we're going to have a Leicester every year, Aaron, but it, it may make things more entertaining and more interesting in that league year to year, but significantly impact the ability of the best teams to go and win the Champions League. And that's the trade-off. Well, well there's no incentive because if I'm making a quarter, because let's be honest, this contract's just the beginning of the next contract. So, you know, we're talking about when you, if you're getting a quarter billion dollars in your league for 38 matches, what's your incentive? I mean, to be honest, yeah. it's actually dangerous to go try to go do this European thing. If we had Juventus getting their $100 million kind of derivative contract on success, that, that's not normal. Uh, but, you know, whatever, 10 to $50 million if you're lucky uh, to go, you know, Europe-wide. I mean, it's almost like, you know, there's just no incentive to do that except for kind of we love the game, the beauty, and all the rah-rah stuff. And, 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 and I would say... If anything, the incentive is actually more in these lesser clubs because the branded clubs already kind of have their, you know, their global brands, you know, Arsenal or United or, you know, the, the you know, just the ones that everyone knows. And I would say even City, you know, where you, you go around the world and you'll see people wearing those jerseys. It's the lesser clubs that, you know, I think in some ways can make a harder push have a greater incentive to try to do something like a Tottenham, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. I mean, Tottenham hasn't really broken through globally as a, as a, you know, there's, you know, there's not the, the whole Spurs thing everywhere. No, no. Uh, be honest. If they kept bail, there probably would be, but that's a different story. I mean, they, they might not yeah, be but they, they could, they, now, could but. they could ride the rocket ship. That is Harry Kane to that, to that level. I, I imagine. And, and, and I, and I would say, you know, if they make, I mean, because clearly the model is building tridents. I mean, right? I mean, from a business standpoint and from a soccer standpoint too. But if you're building, if, if you're owning one of these clubs that's competitive, you want a trident. It's sexy. It looks good. You know, it's brandable. You know, it, it, it you punch goals in like galore. Um, obviously, you're trading off things to do that. But in terms of your of your style, and you're making a bet, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you turn into the New Orleans Saints, throwball. But... You know, if you're if you're trying to make money at it, it's kind of a no-brainer. And if you look at 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 these at these English teams, I think all of them are going to build tridents, and that's going to pump up their their brand and 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 how you know kind of competitive that league is. I still don't think it, it makes much of a dent in Europe. I mean, I, I just I just don't. I mean, and if the dent is they get to the to the to, to the quarterfinals, I mean, like Chelsea stumbles to the quarterfinals. I mean. Even if they somehow, you know, through you know all the accidents in the world, get through PSG, which you know it, it can happen. I mean, what do you think would happen in the next round? I mean, it would be a historic slaughter. I mean, people, a team would put them out of their misery just on principle alone. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Right. Like, you know, PSG is yeah. supposed to be here, and we're supposed to have a competitive match. Yeah. You know, and and. You know, whether it was Bayern or Barca or Real, I mean, you know, what, how would that go down? I mean, it's Chelsea's better off just going away right now than losing 6-0 and, you know, 5-0, you know, or something like that, you know, getting yeah. half the team fired. Um, you know, so it's it's at the end of the day, and Chelsea, think about it, Chelsea's it right now. I mean, can you imagine that? Like a, a wounded animal Chelsea that's, you know, mid-table, chaos, half the team is gone, 
player of the year is, you know, disappeared, you know, uh, you know, everyone's running for the exits and that's the only kind of, you know, story. And if you notice, no one in the English media even wants to cover this yeah, because it yeah. just makes the whole league look so weak right now yeah. Aaron, when it comes to European competition. Yeah. Aaron, I'm, I'm going to run. I appreciate the call. Yes. Good stuff as always. I, I do. I really do appreciate it. And then uh, we'll probably talk Thank to you, you soon, man. All right, it was Aaron in Jersey. Good stuff from yep. him. As always, 646-832-3909 is the phone number if you want to jump in here. One thing I didn't get to Aaron, um, I didn't get to present to Aaron, which I had thought about, and something I forgot to ask Giannis Mahalik about was the Barcelona penalty from the weekend. I haven't had a chance to address it in this forum. The decision by Lionel Messi to set up Luis Suarez, by the way, Neymar claiming that that actually was for him, but that Suarez had uh, seen this drill in training and decided to get on the ball himself and put it home. Now, not illegal. My, my first instinct was illegal. Now, it's not, and obviously it's not. I guess the reason I thought it was is because I'd never seen it before. The question that's bouncing around is whether or not it's unsportsmanlike. That's a word. Unsportsmanlike. Whether or not it is not cheating, but sort of out of the bounds of respectable play. Was it, was it insulting to Celta Vigo for Barcelona, for, for Real, uh, for Lionel Messi to set up Luis Suarez with an assist on a penalty? I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to say no, if only because, look, you, you, if you're Celta Vigo, you either have to know the rule, know that, that, that this, something like this is possible and try to prevent it. I mean, ultimately, it's on Celta Vigo to prevent, prevent this from happening. That's, that's where the, the onus lies. I don't think the onus lies on the team scoring the goal. The team scoring the goal should do so by any means necessary within the rules. And that's within the rules. I know in the aftermath of that penalty, lots of people sort of making light of others calling it showboating by actually showing, you know, actually sharing gifs and clips of people showboating. And and I know that there are in general in, in across various sports this sort of unwritten rule book. You don't, you know, look, you, you're up for nothing in a game. You you don't sombrero somebody. You know, you you don't. You don't nutmeg them on purpose to make them look stupid. You don't heap abuse on a team that's getting, that's already abused. It's already down. But again, if you don't like it, stop the other team from doing it. I'm not even in the camp that this is entertainment and, and, and Barcelona is meant to entertain and sports are entertaining and, you know, who cares as long as it's, inter that's not even my position. I mean, yeah, you want the team, you want your, your sports to be entertain entertaining. You want your team to play entertaining soccer but really it's all about whether or not that other team has the opportunity to stop you and if they have the opportunity to stop you if they're not if they're not being illegally restrained from stopping you that the onus is on them if the score was 10 nothing i would say damn Celta Vigo you didn't you didn't try hard enough or you didn't stop them that's on you it's not barcelona's fault that they uh that, that Celta Vigo can't stop them Barcelona should be trying to score. It's actually less respectful for Barcelona to stop trying to score. Yeah, Bar Messi could have slotted that thing home himself. He could have done that. Could have gotten that goal himself. He already had one on the day. It would have been fine. But again, he's playing within the rules. And if Celta Vigo is not going to prepare to stop it, then that's on them. All right. Looks like phone calls have dried up. 
We will take our leave here on a Wednesday. Thank you very much to Yanish Mahalik. Brilliant stuff from Yanish. As always, love talking to that guy. Nobody watches more soccer, talks about more soccer, enjoys more soccer, analyzes more soccer adeptly than Yanish Mahalik. Hopefully we'll have him back for next week's Champions League matchups. We'll talk CONCACAF Champions League soon, Robert, I promise. Soccer Morning, Backheel.com. Follow us on Twitter. I'll see you tomorrow.